0: The following conversation contains topics around drugs, addiction, and the road to recovery. If you or someone you know is struggling with drugs or alcohol, please reach out. Asking for help is the hardest part. If you're in the Tri-State area, you can actually reach out to our guest today, Mario, at 203-917-1988, or SAMHSA at 1-800-662-4357.
1: Hey, man. I was thinking about like, you know, people are different sizes, like animals are different sizes too. There's an average, but you know, everything ranges from like big to small. And the only reason that Bigfoot is popular is because he's got a big, he's got big feet. So there's gotta be a Bigfoot out there with almost like a regular size foot. And they probably just called out one foot. You know, I feel bat's foot, because wooded foot isn't as big as other, the other feet out there. And so he's throwing around, and he's got some kind of a complex, because he's just foot. And then his buddies are like, shut up, foot. You know, go get me a uh, fermented pine drink. I don't know if they drink it. It's Sasquatch It's a squashy That's but anyway, you get what I'm saying. So there's a foot out there that's not kicking so much ass
0: because these guys probably just being a foot. And yeah. so Call me back. Hey, yo, welcome to the memo show. Today, we have a very special guest, the man... The myth, the legend, and my friend Mario, the Italian horn, Dierno, aka Mars. How many fucking nicknames do you have? <laughs>
1: uh, I've had a couple, and you know, these are the nicer ones of the, of the you know, of the few. Uh, sure yeah, man. I don't know, man. What's going on, dude?
0: Not much. Thanks for thanks for um coming by and and doing a little interview with me. Um. I've been following your Instagram for a very long time. I think right after you and uh, my cousin kind of split, uh, which is a kind of a funny story because um, I remember seeing that you were doing better, right? And I was like, I, th- I, was, on, I was on a plane and I was, um, I think we were coming to California and I was on the plane and I was looking through uh, Instagram or maybe it was Facebook at the time. I don't remember. But I was like, oh, shit, it's it's Mars. I was like, oh, my God, he looks good. He's doing better. And I was, like, so happy inside. And I was so excited for you. And I remember, like, liking or friending you or or liking one of your posts or something. And when I landed, I got a fucking barrage of text messages from... My cousins saying like, "What the fuck is the matter with you? Why are you liking his shit? Why are you friending him da 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 and immediately I was like, Fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Fuck you, like who the fuck are you right and i'm not I'm not trying to start the podcast off with drama but <laughs> <laughs> But I was pissed, bro, because I was like, I think I was still at the time. I think I was still struggling. And um, in my head, I, I was like, fuck, if Mars can do it, I can do it. Right. And I just wanted to show my support to you, even though everything that happened I was just happy to see you were okay. Um, and I literally, I don't think I've spoken to them since. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of something that it, it, you're not responsible for that. I don't want to make you think that that's your fault. I had a lot of other issues with them, but, um, that was a big thing that I always carried with me and that I've always wanted to talk to you about because like you told me, like through text message earlier, like we've been through shit together, you know, like we experienced stuff together, basically grew up together. I mean, we, uh, we would pass through each other's life here and there. Um, but you know, it was always crazy times. But, um, what, what do you,
1: well, dude, I mean, let's, I'm right there with you. Like it's emotional for me. Um, we, I feel the same about you though. Like you were always the homie. You were always like the one I connected with. Like you were just memo dude. You know what I mean? You were Gare. Like, I don't know what it was, but like we, I was drawn to you. And uh, I feel like we had a connection since day one, dude. Like, I mean, I was around since probably I was like 16 or something or something like that. 17. So like, You know, you were family like I hung out with you guys almost more than my own family for years. And, you know, we would smoke weed together. We'd hang out. We would go to shows. We'd spend holidays together. Like I felt like sometimes I had to kind of like fake it, like like, you know, hide my addiction, obviously, and mental illness. And uh, but like with you, I always felt like I didn't have to hide it. You know, like I felt like I like you got it and uh, without even saying anything. I looked up to you actually like to me you were like that rock star dude (laughs) like (laughs) you know what I mean like you were just that cool fucking dude that I wished that like and I had like a cousin like that as well but we just weren't that close you know at the time and so it was like yo you were like that cool brother almost that I never had you know like that I don't know it's just you were a rock star dude so it was like instant love and I was just so happy uh you know when we started like talking and stuff and I don't know, man. Like like I said, you're family to me, dude. And, and it was just like I didn't know what to do, but I also was like, hey, man, like this dude gets it. He res- you know, obviously he's cool. And like, you know, I was a little weird at first. Like, I didn't know how to approach you. Like I didn't want to be disrespectful. But, yeah, man, you've always kind of stayed the same. And that's what I appreciate about you and other people. It's like I always appreciate people who kind of are just who they are and don't switch up, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that was my biggest problem with, you know, my family was that everybody – deserves a fucking second chance whether you're the type of person that believes that whether you're the type of person who won't give people second chances they still deserve a second chance and if they're no longer in your life and they're making that second chance for themselves elsewhere fucking great like i i am all for that but to me the biggest thing was like i don't like people who are contradictive you know like you can't sit there and talk shit about someone who's got things that they're struggling with and that are trying to do the right thing when you're over there doing the same thing and not trying to help yourself, you know? And to me, that was the biggest fuck you. I, it's been a really long time. I don't know. It was, how long have you been clean?
1: Uh, so I just celebrated nine years, dude. It's
0: crazy. Wow. Congratulations, man. That's fucking awesome. Thank you. Um, so it's probably been about that long because um, I saw my cousins at um, a wedding, my other cousin's wedding uh, last year. That's why we went back to Connecticut uh, last year. And it was at the point where it's like, okay, let's let bygones be bygones, and we didn't really talk about it. But you know, we it was very emotional when we saw each other and I think that was the thing I was most nervous about going back there was to see you know my aunt and my cousins and you know I still kind of talk to a few of them here and there on Instagram but we're not as close as we used to be and I think that really totally put a dent in our relationship but again it wasn't just you you kind of were the turning point for everything that happened Um, and that's you know that's another reason I wanted to talk to you today because like when we go through, when when we do the work, you know, to stay clean and stay sober and to, you know, work on our, our, you know, our issues, part of that is like forgiving people. Right. Um, mm. And is there, did you follow a program?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I started going to, to really, I got into recovery at like, I don't know. I think I was, (sighs) I first went to rehab when I was 19. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was mostly like, I was in denial still and it was for depression. I thought, and you know, really I was just not ready, but I had, um, the real first, you know, first introduction to recovery was, uh, I was 23 or 24 and I had overdosed and, uh, I mean, it was, it was bad, you know I mean? Obviously there's no good overdose, but it was like, they, you know, ended up in a coma and, they told my family that, you know, come say goodbye. And, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of oxys, so, you know, I had a big oxy addiction and, and basically, I mean, it was doing everything, but that was what kind of took me out. And, you know, so that I woke up after two weeks and, uh, you know, they told my family though, they say, Hey, you know, come say goodbye to your, your son. And, uh, if he does wake up like he's going to be a vegetable and then I don't remember any of it. Um, I just remember like, going to pick someone up and then making the rounds and, and kind of, you know, I got in a car accident and I was in Stanford. I remember that. And then, you know, I went right to the bar. Like it was just one of those nights where it was just like a a typical night for me, honestly, it was sad. But,
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of those fucking you know, nights. Yep. I know. You
1: know what I mean? Just another night where I was just doing a lot, you know, and, and kind of just, but I always knew dude, like, honestly, I mean, I always, I always knew that, uh, I was, I was, Probably gonna die around twenty six, twenty seven, and you know,
0: like a fucking I don't know. rock
1: star. Yeah, like, like I literally—it wasn't like a shock. Like I was in so much pain, pain, and I was just like looking forward to it and just. But yeah, I woke up and and um a weird series of events happened that I couldn't deny. Like, and I'm no like Jesus freaking or nothing, but like, there's definitely something up there because uh, I've called my brother from the hospital bed and like told on myself about that I had more drugs at the crib, which is like not me my nurse was my best friend growing up my neighbor Uh, her brother like helped save me at my friend's house like all these things and then the craziest part is like this dude who i actually just been trying to reconnect with this guy shows up at my at my hospital bed and uh a friend of mine tells him tells me to call him and i don't know you know i I call him and, and he says i'll be there tomorrow and no money no like like he wasn't hired like it was weird he He came to my hospital bed and and I don't really remember what he said, but I just remember that whatever it was like, like I wanted it. Like, and then the next day I know I went to rehab, dude. (laughs) It was crazy. So yeah, it's the short version is, you know, I've been trying this for about 20 years and I've had ups and downs, but, uh, you know, I've been to treatment probably 12, 13 times. I've been to mental institutions, rehabs, jails, you know, whatever, I mean, everything kind of (laughs) death. Jesus it's Christ. been a long journey, man. <laughs> I feel like a soldier.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, you know, what we are. I mean, like they, we, as, you know, addicts, we call these like war stories. You know, like mm-hmm. when we talk about when we used to use or we talk about fucking funny or shitty or crazy or sad shit that happened to us while we were in addiction. It's like, that's, that's what we call them. You know, if you're in um, you know, AA and you go out and smoke a cigarette with someone, you're probably going to tell a war story, you know? So <laughs> that's, we are fucking soldiers. We've been through fucking hell and back, you know? Um, So that, that first experience with real recovery where you really wanted it and you really knew in your heart that you're like, fuck, I got to do this. Like, was that, was that a 12 step or was it something you know an orthodox or something different or what was it
1: it's kind of it was like a homeless shelter but for people that like wanted to get clean but didn't really have a program lined up and they would just take us to meetings and uh you know i mean i'd never really i'd been like once in high school with a buddy of mine but it wasn't couldn't tell you a thing about it um so yeah we started they would take the druggie buggy dude and we'd go <laughs> <laughs> We'd go to meetings every night, you know, <laughs> or we could walk to them and we didn't really have much to do. So we were hitting sometimes two, three meetings a day. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, it was mostly I was going to NA, I was going to AA, I was going to really anything that was available. Um, not saying I was like really that hungry for it, to be honest with you, but kind of just doing it, you know, because I figured I felt so bad for my family, yeah. you know, after seeing them like that, I was like, I have to at least try, you know, something here
0: what uh what year was uh what year was that like you said when you overdosed
1: that was 2004 october holy shit dude what's today it might be today dude (laughs) bro i think it was like today i'd have to check like one of my books for like my sober date that day but i think it was like around this this date if not today that year wow congratulations (laughs) it's trippy though,
0: but you stayed clean after that experience. Yeah. No, did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I mean, eventually what happened was, you know, I got really involved and just really loved the people and the, and the fellowship, like the community aspect and just people were so cool. And I felt like I belong. Like I was like, damn, finally there's other people here. Like I'm not the only one. And, um, I hooked up with a lot of like dudes that were similar to me and, and, you know, uh, just we hung out and we had fun and we went to like they just showed me the ropes. It was cool. They took me in. Um I stayed clean for like almost two years. And then I had and then I and I went out. And that was I think I'm trying to remember. The timeline's fuzzy in my head, but there was a time that time when we were working together and you were my boss at Starbucks, remember?
0: Bro. I <laughs> fucking <laughs> I need you to fill in some blanks for me, okay? Cause two thousand four, I wasn't, I wasn't really using. I um, I did the normal shit. Like I, I felt like I was a normal user. I guess if that's a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But where like I could. I could get a couple perks, I could get some zannies. I could get some whatevers and, you know, do them for the weekend and then be good, you know, do, you know, do my life after that. And then, you know, when I had a couple days off, I get some, get some stuff and, you know, have fun. But I don't think it was until later that I was actually, that I really got sucked into you know, having to have it all the time, you know, and, and and still telling myself, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. I can maintain this. Uh, but going, going back to that, um, yeah, that was probably 2004. We were at, we were working at a coffee company. Um, I was the assistant manager and I remember my cousin coming in and saying, Hey, can you get Mario a job? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because if my memory serves correct, we worked at the Ice House together too? Did you I work at the Ice so, House? Dude.
1: I did maybe a little bit, but not like full time,
0: I don't think. Like Everybody did a stint at the at Ice House at some point, I think.
1: Yeah, it's foggy, dude. There's a lot of foggy memories out there.
0: <laughs> but anyway, I, I knew that you know you had a good work ethic at least i didn't hear anything you know other than that but um i remember i got you hired um you went through training you fucking you were killing it you you did everything like everything you picked up so fast i've never seen someone with that much of a go-getter fucking attitude like just show me just show me what to do and i'll do it and i would show you and then you would latch onto it and then you you did it 10 times better and you know my manager's looking at me like yeah good hire good hire right (laughs) (laughs) fucking you phenomenal with the customers phenomenal um i think at i think maybe two weeks in you were like working the bar you were making drinks you were fucking you're getting them out on time, too, too fucking standard. You were hitting the condiment bar, fucking bro. You were like out of this world. I think that's why we called you fucking Mars. But <laughs> 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 yo, I love that. Fucking paychecks come, you disappear for a fucking week.
1: <laughs>
0: like, Mario, you're scheduled. Mario, you're on the schedule. Mario, where are you, bro? Where are you, bro? You're on the schedule, bro, bro, bro. What happened, dude? What happened in that? It was a week, maybe four or five days. I don't know. But bro, when that paycheck hit, you were out like a ghost. (laughs) It was bad, dude. It's funny
1: now and shit because I just we're like the only nice because you were there, and it's weird for me. It's awesome because nobody's really there you know, when I talk to them now, but so my memory serves. I had been, it was actually like 2006.
0: Yeah. That sounds about right. Cause I, I, I was done in 2008. Yeah.
1: So this was like after rehab, like post, like, like I had been clean, like post, um, uh, overdose and all that. And I had been clean, you know, or sober for like almost two years, I think, dude. And, um, I forget what happened. I think I moved back to the area, which was really tough. I had got back together with your cousin, which I wasn't planning on, which was also like, so there was like a lot going on and I didn't really connect. You know, I tell people that all the time. Now it's so important. I was just talking to someone the other night because they had been through it too. And when you move and you're in recovery, it's really, really important to, it's not easy. So if you have like your network and your foundation and everything in a certain area, and you you make a big move. I try to tell people it's like it's very dangerous it's it's I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's like you really gotta plug in when you get there cause if not mm-hmm. for me anyway, yeah, yeah that yeah. was my downfall, so yeah, um, so I remember working with you it was fucking awesome, we were crushing it, we were playing great me, we were playing guns and Roses, <laughs> closing together, we had a cool staff like it was like a sick staff and all the AA people were coming in to visit, like along with a lot of other people that like were really hard to deal with. And, (laughs) and the next thing I know, I had just, I had, I forget exactly what set it off, but you know, it'd been happening for a little while where it was like, I wasn't going to as many meetings or maybe I wasn't sharing what was going on inside me. And that's it. Next thing I knew I I was with somebody else in the program and we were both kind of on our way out and, I'll never forget that morning dude like I was like getting ready I was smoking crack in my mom's you know house upstairs she was like yelling at me per usual like an Italian but like didn't know what was going on but she knew I was acting funny and I just made up some lie I was like yeah I got to go to transfer me I got to be in Greenwich the Greenwich store today and (laughs) and I told I stole my dad's car dude which was like he wouldn't even let me drive that thing like period even if he was in it Um, oh my goodness you know, just, he was just old school and I stole his car. He was working in Vermont and I went on like a, I thought it was like a two week run, dude, but it might've been shorter, but.
0: It could have been longer. uh, I, I didn't, I didn't think you were coming back.
1: Bro. I was, I almost died. Um, I stole my dad's car. I went out to Danbury where I didn't know anybody that used. So now I'm creating like a whole new area of like, I'm ruining like my good area. You know what I mean? Like Norwalk for me, was like done yeah and it was just it got ugly like instantly dude like i remember like i was with a good well dude, the minute thank you God.
0: the minute you pass over that border into danbury it always gets ugly so i don't know what you were expecting
1: <laughs> yeah it did bro it got so ugly dude i saw places and things that i had never seen it was so dark dude we were in crack houses we were in new milford we were in waterbury like it was like the crack shuttle dude and it was just me and this dude thank god he's he's a great dude because it wasn't like he wasn't like a scumbag but like i mean he just don't stop either so if you want to get high like he was just like bro we're good don't worry but he was like tough like he was fucking people up he was beating them for drugs he would he'd be like i remember one he's like yo you got your phone i was like yeah and it was like a brand new razor or something at the time i was like all i had left (laughs) and it was like i love that and he goes but i trusted him and he goes give me your phone And he went out and I saw him and he fucking gave the dude my phone. And then the next day he was like, I get your phone back. And he just punched the dude in the face. He just knocked him out. Took all the drugs and the phone back. He goes, here you go, Skippy. I was like, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, but bro, I mean, dude, the last, you know, the, the saddest part of that is that no one knew where I was. My family thought I was dead. You thought I was probably dead, right? Like, um, you know, like I I, had it
0: a, like. I knew you weren't dead because you're a resilient motherfucker. But I was just I was so curious as to where you had gone. And I was kind of pissed because I was like, he was doing so good. Like, how how did he why did he choose to, like, fuck this up? You know, and I, I didn't understand addiction at that time. I, I had no clue that you were even going through it. I didn't know that you were in recovery like i didn't know any of that stuff and you know i've learned that that's important that you got to tell people that shit so that that way they know um if something yeah. were to happen that you know they can look out for you in that way but i had no idea i didn't understand that stuff at the time i was still using recreationally you know i was still like you know whatever drugs weren't really a big you know a big concern for me but i think in the back of my mind i i knew what happened um but i didn't think you died i was hoping you didn't die (laughs) but it was you know scary because we couldn't get in contact with you so like he could be fucking anywhere but go ahead keep going tell me more
1: dude so uh i mean i I basically just went on a crazy run with it with this dude and uh you know, the my family had put, like, a missing persons. Um, I had zero contact with anyone. People were calling me, leaving that voice. I was very sad. I was, like, high the whole time. I was dark. Like, it was, like, a very just – it was just a sad, sad feeling because once I start, like, it's balls to the wall. And, you know, it was just kind of like – I just wanted to run you know, and like, I didn't want to face anything. And like, then I'm like, damn, I messed up the job and I messed up the, you know, the girl and the everything, the family and the trust and all this stuff. And, you know, I mean, I was kind of hoping to die to be honest with you. And I'll never forget you fucking saved my life, dude. Like my sponsor was calling me. Everybody was calling me. I didn't pick up for anyone, dude. And either you called me or I called you because you had called me a couple times and, uh, whatever it was though you were the only one that got through to me, dude and that I felt safe for some reason calling or just like I don't know why I felt bad to you, but no one it was weird, dude but you saved my life you were my angel that day man, like I just remember like being in a crack house and there was a lot of fucked up shit going on, and I did not want to be there, but uh, you know, and we were smoking this crack that was so strong that I literally was like thought I was like that's it the next one's gonna be the one that kills me and <laughs> It was kind of like the end. I just kind of knew it was. I had to do something. And uh, I remember calling you, or you called me, and and just crying. And I was just crying. And you're the reason why I came back, dude. Literally. I don't know if you know that, but it's like without you, I don't know. You know, back then I wasn't responding to anybody.
0: Man, I I, I don't exactly remember the conversation, but I probably said something like like Mario. Just come back. Just come back. Because it didn't matter what happened at the time. We just wanted you back. Because like, I think you probably still don't really realize how special of a person you are and how much of an effect that you have on people. And I believe 100% that that's you know, the reason why you're doing so well with the group that you're with right now release, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you have an effect on people. You immediately can make people smile and feel at ease and feel comfortable. And I just, want. Well, I think in that moment I had to be that person for you and just tell you, just come back, just come home, just come back to the store. Come, like just, come back. Like it doesn't matter. Just come back. Whatever happened, happened. Let's figure it out. Um, And then I believe, I believe we, we rehired your ass. Yes. <laughs> yes. You I remember you yes. came into the store and you were basically begging to me and, you know, uh, Mitch, I'm going to shout him out because he, he taught me to be, like that to give people second chances and he taught me to give people the benefit of the doubt and you know expect to be hurt expect to be let down but you need to do it for people and um i remember talking to him like he fucked up mitch he fucked up like but he needs this like give him another chance please give it you saw how much of a good worker he was and then he was like all right fine one more chance and you were back
1: it was crazy i remember that too i remember like not wanting to like like i was so scared and like my pride and my ego and like walking you know my tail between my legs and i don't like almost didn't want to come back you know at all i was just kind of like it's over and then i remember like
0: well the embarrassment and the shame is the whole reason why people don't fucking get sober to begin with that's the hardest exactly. fucking thing
1: exactly exactly so it was like this big dirty secret dude and then you know how do you explain that like how do you explain to somebody you were killing it and then all of a sudden you go m.i.a and like how does under- so you know what i mean like you don't understand like people like in my mind like normal well, people ain't gonna believe it or don't understand they must think i'm a nut job and the craziest <laughs> thing i'll never forget it like it was yesterday i remember sitting on that awesome beautiful patio it was like that three-tier patio back there Yep. it was a nice day I was sitting down with Mitch and I kind of didn't tell him all the details, but I explained like, kind of like I was taught, like, you know, I have a problem, like I'm in recovery and, you know, I had a relapse and he goes, he was just smiling and just listening. I just kind of goes, well, he goes, why didn't you call your sponsor? (laughs) And I was like, it's not that easy, Mitch. I was like, yeah, but I was like, damn, how does he know that? I'm like, that's a good question. And
0: um, that dude knew everything. He knows everything.
1: Bro, he's the man. Shout out to Mitch. Like I actually ran into him a couple years ago, uh, out in like Danbury area, and like we kicked it for a little bit. It Was so good. He's such a good
0: dude. Oh my god, he's one of the most influential people in my in my life, probably. But he's he's uh, I don't know where he's at. He's in North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere. He's uh, he's chilling with his kids, and yeah. I think he's got a new partner. But um, yeah. super happy for him.
1: Oh, he's the best, dude. I'll never forget you best. and him together. Were pivotal to like just like mentor to me you know what i mean like really good just just good people good mentors just motivated me and and just i don't know it was like some of the best times of my life honestly working with you guys there
0: yeah word um but yeah even though i think when you came back i didn't even want to ask i think that's why this for this long i didn't know what happened because i, I guess i was too afraid to ask what happened because i was just like just in my heart hoping that it wouldn't happen again but um i don't know i'm glad that turned out the way it was so but after after that i mean you went into recovery again and all that stuff but um was it that you weren't working the steps or was it you just still weren't ready yet like what happened like what went through what went through your head when you're when you're in that car with you know, another person in the program and they're like, yo, let's go cop. And then you just go like, I, I would not hang out with people from my group. I did that once and that's how I relapsed. So I don't know. I don't know how it went for you. Like, was it, were you just both not completely a hundred percent in it? Yeah, I think, so I
1: think the dude, what happened was like when I had moved I was going to meetings with this other dude I grew up with, but he wasn't really all in and he was kind of struggling with mental, mental illness, like other than even outside of stuff that I had. And, uh, so it's kind of got two dudes that were, you know, I was feeling kind of down and and uncomfortable about being back in the area. I had no work. I didn't really know what I was doing. Like the meetings were different. You know, it's always everything, you know, I got to start over essentially in a way. And, um, i just you know i was doing that for a while i never i still was going to danbury and talking to them and missing them and you know had a sponsor out there but i just never really connected and dove into the work when i moved back so that's when it started it was even before excuse me i think before uh you know that happened at starbucks and all that stuff so now you got to mix, you know, it's like, I'm back in my old house, which was a lot of bad memories. I'm afraid to like see people. I'm back with your cousin, which was kind of tumultuous, you know, it's kind of like wasn't a great idea at the time. I just didn't really recognize it for both of us anyway, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I'm thinking like she's good now. She doesn't have any issues. Like she's got a job and, and killing it. She drinks, you know, see like, like I'm the prom like AA is my thing and recovery and like everyone else, like you're normal, you know? And yeah. So it was just, I think it was just a lot at once. And then, you know, it's all it takes, man. This thing's sneaky, but yeah, I might've, you know, looking back, like had a reservation that I never looked at or, you know, just wasn't diligent, I guess. I mean, this thing is so sneaky. It happened to me, you know, I've went out a bunch of times, but I see it a lot in my work today. Like, you know, it just, it just, it could get you, man. You got to stay real vigilant and really just stay like in today. Like it really is just for today.
0: Yeah. Day by day, minute by minute. Yeah, man,
1: because, like, I had no plans on it. It kind of – it was just me and some dude one night, and we went out. And then, you know, fast forward, once that beast starts, and you're like, that's when I went on that big run. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I disappeared. And it's weird when we talk about this kind of stuff, or sometimes I forget, and then I'll think. Like, in my head, it's like these weird flashes of, like, a movie. It's almost like it didn't happen. A lot of the, like, really dark, ugly, like – just crazy stuff you're just like does that really happen like or was it a movie you know what i mean <laughs> like- yeah
0: no yeah i watch i sometimes i watch movies too with you know about this topic and i'm like i'm either like yep yep that's how it is or no nah, that shit ain't how it is you know what i mean like <laughs> some of it's real fucking accurate and some of it's just like mm, i don't know but like uh oh man what um so going back even further even further even further like have you identified like doing all this work? Have you identified, you said before that you were just in a lot of pain, you know, like, what, like what, what did you identify that pain was? Have you identified it? And, and you know, what are some things you're doing to, to help with that pain now that you're not using drugs to cover it up?
1: Yeah, that's a, wow. That's a great question. Um, I mean, a lot of it was always that sense of feeling like an alien, like kind of just feeling different than other people. Um, felt like I never felt comfortable in my own skin. You know, you hear that a lot, but it's true. Yeah. Um, always kind of like just not being able to put a finger on like what's going on inside, like, like just feeling like, like I just didn't want to not saying I didn't want to be here, but like, it was really hard to connect. Like when I was younger, I was like, go, go, go. You know, I was just all over the place. I love sports. I love being outside. I love music. Like, it was like, I, but I could never just sit. And yeah. I think that's a big deal. It kind of says something like, like, I kind of just needed to be able to sit alone with my feelings or with myself, which is one of the hardest things to do. Yep. Um, Absolutely. You know, for people, for guys like us, right? It's like, I always got to be doing something or I always got to be ingesting well, something. or
0: Yeah, you know? it's scary. You know, because like you don't you don't want to be alone with those thoughts or those feelings because, you know, what's going to happen when you are, you know, that you're going to find something or discover something that you don't want to, you know, bubble up to the surface. So, you know, probably the same thing with you as with me, like I did drugs to make that go away, you know, to be able to sit and not think about anything and to not worry about anything and to to not be anxious and to not feel like I got to be doing something and you know all of that stuff turns into pain in a normal person you know if like if you don't have an outlet for that that's you know addicts like us that's the first thing we do is when we realize that oh I could take this pill and then that fucking goes away like holy shit you know that's that's how we deal with it you know people meditate people exercise people you know, go on vacations, people do all these different things. But you know, for us addicts, that's the answer until we find and train our brains to do something different instead of that. And that's the hardest part, because you're literally retraining your brain. But so there wasn't one particular thing that was like bothering you It was just it was just that, you know, uncomfortableness and, and not being able to slow down for you.
1: Yeah, that's what's weird. It's like I always was, you know, looking back when I first started going through uh, the work and doing the steps and doing other stuff and therapy it was like, it's kind of frustrating. Because I would sit in meetings or sitting, you know, talking with people and, and you know, they would tell me like these things that had happened to them. And, and, you know, some of it I could relate to and some of it I couldn't. And I was kind of like, there's no one thing like I couldn't just say, oh, this is why, you
0: know. Yeah, xyz so no why i did no like real trauma or anything that that did it
1: no not like like a one thing but you know if you if you really once i dove deeper now and through the years kind of learned by mistake is that there's a lot of things and i'm still learning from people you know my teachers is that like there's a lot of things also that like didn't happen that like can result in trauma and it's not like big trauma that you hear about but like small things like you know i craved maybe a a certain thing like in the household that I wasn't getting or like in terms of like a certain affection or, or emotion stuff or you know come from a really old school italian right off the boat you know families like well, you know yeah. <laughs> we, yep. there wasn't yep. like tons of like just sitting there and talking about my feelings and, and just kind of like, it was, it was what? just like work.
0: Talking me. about your feelings. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, Mario. We're, we, you push those down as far as you can yeah. bottle them up and you do not yeah. discuss them. Don't you know this, no. Mario?
1: Yeah. You will not. Right. Never. No matter what, no, what are you, you know? crying it's, for? <laughs> it's true. Right. You know, like it's you, you get it, man. And, No, that was a
0: great point, though, that that maybe the trauma came from something that didn't happen as opposed to something that did. That's great. I've never heard that before. That's something to to think about. I'm
1: just learning this stuff like now and I'm 42 and learning from this. We have a great, amazing woman named Laura Sorty that works at our um, at release. And she's our like, like she she's like the runs the whole outpatient. And she was teaching me about this kind of stuff when they're doing trainings. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like.
0: That's, that's awesome. I I found all that stuff really, I think that's what kept me in recovery the most is that someone came along that made it interesting for me to learn about Mm -hmm. it, you know? And then once I started to learn about the internal workings of addiction and all that stuff, it got me intrigued and I wanted to learn more and it helped me you know stay clean and and recognize triggers and all that stuff like the stuff the stuff that you know we need to do on a daily basis but um tell me more about the group that you're working with cuz it looks freaking phenomenal and and I'm not going to lie I've had um thoughts about going to work for you know a, a recovery group or you know be a uh you know a drug counselor or something like that but I I was very happy and surprised that, you know, you were, you know, seems like a pretty intricate part over there. So yeah. Tell me more about release.
1: Oh dude, it's, it's the best. <laughs> I feel like I finally found like a home, like, you know, cause what, that was the other thing growing up. I never felt like I could, like I had thousands of jobs, but I just never felt like it was like my heart. And, you know, there was a couple I also feel like everything I've done to this point has led me and taught me on like how to do this job now. And so what I do now at release is it's called special services. But basically what that means is like, I'm kind of running into like the gnarly of the gnarliest stuff. Like, you know, somebody will overdose and, you know, we get called and, Someone, you know, my boss would call me and say, Hey, what are you doing? Can you come and I'll show up to the hospital or I'll show up to someone's house and a family's worried. Kinda like, you know, what, what happened to me when I was working with you, like I go missing and a family will call and say, Hey, our son's missing. We're 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 dying like we're worried, like, you know, and, and we'll go out there. It's like sometimes you're kinda like dog to bounty hunter <laughs> in a way, but you know, a lot of times it's really it's it's crazy because you're, you're going to do a wellness check. You don't know what you're going to find. We're doing interventions. You know, you're comp- I'm doing a thing a lot. You know, what I do a lot is called um, safe companions where like I'll live with someone for X amount of time and I'm with them. I sleep with them. You're helping them, you know, either get off s- substances or either try to maintain sobriety you know which can be really tough but also be so rewarding um i do tr- safe transports where like y'all you know, fly out to somewhere i don't know anywhere really in the country and or drive out and try to bring this person back and try to engage them into going either to treatment or coming back with me or whatever it looks like you know and i have some crazy crazy stories that i think i'm going to write a book one day but yeah i've been all over the place dude california texas Bahamas Mexico like it's like we get the call and it's like a firefighter kind of thing so it was like for some reason that just fuels me like when I get a call like that it was like I always wanted to be a firefighter (laughs) and um but now it's like I get to give back I get to help people you know at probably their worst time in their life but I also get to it's it's bittersweet because I get to show them like it's very positive for me in terms of once you know you're bringing someone to treatment that's dying and their family's so worried and everybody it's affecting everyone and you get to bring them into treatment and they say, yes, it's like the best feeling in the world, you know? Yeah. You know, and you get to follow them and like, you become really close with them and the family and you get to, you know, eight months down the line, a year down the line, whatever, two years down the line, you're still talking to them, just checking in. It's like, I mean, I didn't even know that was possible, dude. Like it's literally the best in the world. And you know, I've been there. So that's why I think it's like so natural and, that's what kind of drives me is it's really and a lot of the families dude it's i get to see a lot of like what i put my family through and what we do and so i really that motivates me is to really you know a lot of these families are just hurt and, and they don't know what to do and it's like we're there to you know kind of hold their hand and and help them out and say don't worry you know let let us handle it and like we're going to we're going to do the best we can we're going to try to save your yeah you know, your daughter or your son <laughs>
0: Bro, you were good at making like triple venti skim lattes for uh, soccer moms. But (laughs) I think that this is your calling, bro. Like this is like, this is perfect for you. I feel on both ends of the spectrum for you to maintain your own sobriety and, you know, to be of service to people like that's super important because if we're not it's just like clinically proven that like helping someone else, like makes you feel better in every single way. So I think that's super important for you. I think I'm, I'm so fucking happy for you that, that you have that really happy.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah. It's, it's weird, man. It's a wild trip. And the coolest thing is that, you know, I had worked at a couple places and I just wasn't really feeling it. And then, did some other stuff and did some cool music stuff, which is like, obviously me and you connect, you know, music connected us f- first and foremost. Um, and it's really cool. Like I found these guys and, you know, they're the, the, the best dude. I get to like, wear like what I want to wear. They're like, no, 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 show your tattoos or, and like wear the hoodies. And like, dude, wear, wear whatever you want. Basically just, you know, we're, we don't have like, they're just the coolest. They're just like, just be you. And we're going to help you. Like, like they let me like, like found out like what how i am best like in addition to the team and like really you know trained me and, and just kind of they weren't like trying to mold me in the sun i'm not you know which a lot yeah. of times you go to a job and they're you have to do it you know it's very strict and they're the best man they let me kind of rock out but they know that i got you know the best intentions i'm trying to help somebody and i don't know i mean it's like a family over here i can't i would love to have you come visit dude they would love you
0: i would love to man that'd be awesome where is it like based out of
1: so uh, our headquarters, like our our office is in New York City in um, the Flatiron District. Like, it's on 19th and 6th. And then we have a couple properties there, like Sober Living's. And then we also have, like, our original place is in Yorktown Heights, Westchester. So we have two there. And then we just opened up an outpatient clinic, like, six months ago. And it's just, it's been beautiful, man. Dude, they, they got me to do the marathon a couple years ago, which was insane. I saw that. Like... like we travel, the, me and a couple of my friends go to see Pearl Jam, you know. Th- so the company was named after a Pearl Jam song.
0: I I was making that connection. I was going to ask you about that because, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I know the song. It's, it, you know, it's the fucking first song off a banger of an album. Um, and it's like, I saw the, the name of it and I was like, wait, it, it, and just your love for Pearl Jam as well. I was like, oh, my God, that... It, it can't be a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said when
1: I heard, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, you guys named this after, like you named this John after the pro I was like, I got to find out what's going on here right now. Like,
0: that's awesome. So are they like certified? Um, I don't know what they're like. Drug therapists. I don't know what you call them, but, um, like rehab. I, I don't know the correct term for them, but they're like certified, they're doctors. Like who, like who, who owns it? Like, tell me, tell me a little bit more.
1: So the owner's name is Zach Clark. He's been working in the mental health field for I think 12 years. Um, he started it and then he, we have like a full staff. We have probably more staff than anyone in the country in terms of like what we do. Um, so we, we are sober living, like a highly structured sober living, but we also do like, we're like a full stop shop. Like we now have a doctor on board. We have clinical therapists. We have, you know, recovery coaches. We have like, you name it. And um, it's beautiful, man, because we're able to help and serve more people. Um, and it's, it's just the culture. It's really the culture that I, they created and the energy. Um, everybody that I know that I work with, just really gives a shit <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean like they're just there because they love helping people you know I'd say most of us are in recovery there might be a couple that aren't but the ones that aren't even are just like they're affected you know there was something happened or they're affected by it so everybody that shows up there every day is just on the front lines like they just love helping people because they know it's like they have to it's like a calling like you said it's dope so yeah we're able to do a, a, a few different you know A slew of different things um and we do them really well and uh yeah i'm just very proud i've never been so proud to work for a company probably ever you know what i mean besides like obviously when me and you were chilling work and then you know it was a different time but it's like i tried to basically just dedicated my life at this point to to this work
0: yeah it's probably Uh, you know super fulfilling i mean i i don't see how because i you know i ask myself that every day when i when i go to my job i'm like how like am i fulfilled am i being fulfilled by this job and when i answer no the first thing i think of is trying to work in a field like that um and i'm sure there are like um you know groups in california that are kind of like that but um I don't know that that sounds amazing that sounds super fulfilling and and I feel like I feel like you you need that and they need you um but when you were saying that you know you're you're the basically the one that needs to convince the person who just fucking got out of an overdose to come to rehab like what does that fucking car ride look like with you like I just you know overdosed got out of the hospital I'm I'm in the car with you like what are you saying to me like, how do you, how, what's your approach to, to where, like, you don't want to scare them off, but you also know that this is the best thing for them. How do you gauge if they're ready or not? Like, like, tell me a little bit about that scenario.
1: So it could look, you know, obviously each, each situation's different. different. Uh, so we assess that, like, if it's like a straight intervention and the family calls and there's, you know, there's a lot, obviously a lot more planning. And we we situated and set it up like a like a, just a real intervention like we have, you know, family come. We have the letters. We have the whole thing. So that's one way, um, you know, more of a conventional uh, intervention. But if it's like an overdose like that, a lot of times. I mean, I was just a couple weeks ago, man. We uh, you know, obviously can't say like names and specifics, but sure. there was a guy we had, and uh, he was you know visiting family or whatever, and he ended up you know, uh, relapsing. And um, yeah, he, he overdosed, man. And, uh, you know, I went right to go see him in the hospital. And I'm just connecting. I mean, you know, I, I really just try to connect with them. I let them know, like, you know, like, no one's mad at you. Like, like, I'm, I've been there before, like, I tell them my story a little bit. I try to bring a lot of hope. But I also try to let them know, like, this is killing you, dude. This is killing your family. There's nowhere, like, it doesn't get better than, you know what I mean? It's only going to go downhill from here. Like, it doesn't get better than this. Like, you're in the hospital. You almost just died. And it's tough. It's really tough because when I died, you know, I was pronounced in all that in the hospital, I woke up and I was like, I don't know what just happened to me, dude. Like, I was out for, like, two weeks and I don't remember a thing. You know? So I wasn't like, oh, let's go to Rio. Like, I was like, yo, let's go back. I'm ready to get high. Um... (laughs) 'Cause the crazy thing about this disease, this illness is that it just I know. It's insidious, you know? It just tells you like, yo, you don't got a problem, like let's go back out there. Like talks, you know, and I'm like, so it's really hard to kinda understand it, I guess, but a lot of times I'm just trying to trying to, to meet them where they're at, trying to be their, their friend, you know, and, and vibe out and connect with them on any anything, really. Um, whether that's a lot of times music is actually my way in. Yeah because um, i could go away all day right why yeah. not but you know it's a lot of that pain a lot of that like hey man like i've been where you've been like i know where you're at it's okay like let's try it like just try it you know like if you don't like it you can do whatever you want but like shit's not good right now you know what i mean because a lot of times when you're in that situation you're at rock bottom you know when shit hits a fan it's it's kind of like they know the gig's up yeah. um you know, and sometimes they want help and sometimes they, they still fight it. But I just tell them, like, just try it, dude. Like, what do you have to lose right now? Like, you know, everything you really you got nothing right now, you know, like try it. And if you, you know, whatever happens, you never you just don't know, because I if I didn't try it. I would have never went into recovery, you know, like like it took me a lot of times to try it. But yeah,
0: it takes, of, a, it takes it takes a lot know? of people a lot of times, you know, like it's it's very rare that it catches on the first run. You know what I mean? It took me a couple times. I mean, shit, I thought it was a joke. And then, you know, I relapsed with someone in the fucking group. So it it got worse actually after (laughs) the first time, but yeah, (laughs) um, it's like in school when you're like, when in the dare program, when they're teaching you about all those fucking different drugs and you're 13 and you're like, yo I gotta fucking try that what was that called again yeah. what was that co- wait let me write this yeah. down wait what, which one was, okay I'm not fucking around with that one but what was that one again like it's the same thing like you go to rehab and then you hear everybody's stories and you're like oh shit I'm I'm good like these people are fucked and then <laughs> you have that false sense of security and you go out and you're like yeah it's fine you know and then boom you're you're worse off than you were before so like I understand that struggle but like and and people never get it on the first time i don't think but you know it's just consistency and you know everybody needs that mario in their life to pick them back up and bring them back in and and try again you know so i commend you you well i think
1: dude honestly i think we're all put in certain places at at certain times dude like when you were there you know, when I was on that run, like, there's a reason why you were the one that were able to get through to me. And like, sometimes it's me, I'm able to get through to people. And sometimes it's not like I have to call, you know, my, my coworker or someone else comes with, you know, and saying maybe they, you know, really, it's whatever, whatever works, like whoever can connect and get you to go, you know, to just try to see how much better of a life this is, dude, because the, the pain, like you said, it it always just gets worse and worse. And we're losing a lot of people now. It's not like, know with fentanyl and everything dude it's it's just a different ball game out there
0: oh man yeah you you that wasn't around when you were in it where was it no dude no me neither it was just starting to it was just starting to come up when i was in active addiction but um i think i think that really scared me though seeing or hearing about how fucking dangerous it dangerous it was and I think that kinda kept me kept me clean too was was that whole scare, but that's just crazy, man. And and the worst part is is if you've been going this long clean and then you go back out on the streets and get some new shit, you're gonna do the same amount as you thought you could do before and then you're just dead. Yep. That's the fucked up part. It's like you can't re like even relapsing now is so fucking dangerous and it's a whole nother fucking ball game out there like seriously
1: it's 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 dangerous man it's like it's here we're seeing just mixed you know they're putting fentanyl in weed in pills and you name it coke crack anything off the street is just could have fentanyl in it and it's like i always tell people like listen i'm not the type that's going to tell anyone not to drink or do drugs like listen go do it you know <laughs> i can't do it right but you could do it. like yeah. but if you're gonna do it just be safe like get it tested use testing strips yeah like have narcan like i'm a huge you know Nar. like i believe in narcan so much because it saved my life and it saves so i have narcan everywhere i'm always promoting narcan i'm i'm just
0: yeah i've seen that i saw your video on instagram with the the, Hey, have you ever heard of Narcan thing? Like, uh, like, um, you know, Mario on the street kind of thing that, <laughs> that I was really engaging. It was really, it was funny, but it was also really sad because like I, there was one person you walked up to with the Narcan and, and, you know, they, you were like, Hey, have you ever heard of Narcan? And they're like, nah, I'm out. And they just, fucking, <laughs> they were like, nah, I'm not talking to you about that. Cause I think they thought it was drugs, but it it shows how, um, the the awareness about it isn't there. People don't know what it is. The the name sounds scary. Um you know, a lot of people who don't know about addiction don't wouldn't condone it because it's like, "Oh, you're giving people permission to do drugs." They're not on the harm reduction side of people are going to do drugs. Let's save their fucking life, you know? I mm-hmm. I I loved that reel that you did and I think I think that's something that they could really use you for too is like kind of like the man on the street kind of thing um I really enjoyed it. I want to see more of that content from you talking to people on the street about stuff, raising awareness about that you know that kind of uh those kind of things that people are scared to talk about um do more
1: I'm in dude, I'm always down like I'm not the quiet type you know that, <laughs> so you know when it comes to uncomfortable conversations and we have to have those conversations like with whether it's, you know, we can't make pretend it's not happening. Like we're losing. I don't know what the numbers are right now. I know it was like over a hundred thousand last year. I think it was like 107,000 people from overdose. Shit. That's like ridiculous. You know, it's a hundred, probably 175, 200 people a day. Um, So it's not going away. Like this has been over 10 years. It's just, we need to just have the conversation and just educate people and just make sure people have Narcan in their house or have it on them or you just never know, dude. It literally could be the difference where you see somebody on the street or at a concert or at a party and they're, they're, you know, hunched over and they're overdosing. Like anyone can use it. You just put it in their nose and and push the button. Like it's,
0: yeah, it's not some like, it's not going to be a scene from Pulp Fiction, you know? (laughs) No, Yeah. No. Exactly. (laughs) it's easy
1: now. No, but, yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like, when we were younger, you know, The Way, which is still one of my favorite movies, but, oh, yeah. you know, the media, like, was always, like, kind of glamorizing stuff and making it look scary and different, but it's just kind of, like, really not like that anymore. It's, like, it's a little nasal spray. It looks like Afrin, almost. You, you push it, you know, you're in someone's nose, you push it up, and that's it, and then you roll them on their side, and if they need another one, and it's very, you know, obviously you call 911, but it's, anyone could do it. Yeah. Um but it's just it's it's such an epidemic, dude. That we have to we have to be more aware. We have to educate people um, and mental health in general. Like, thank God the conversation's gotten a lot, you know, wider and and more talked about with, you know, anxiety, depression, mental illness. Like, yeah, it all goes the hand in hand. Yeah, dude, and that's what you know. I guess if you asked me before, like, that kind of came first because I was always struggling on what was like the chicken or the egg for me and. I'd say the mental health piece came first where for some reason, you know, I was always happy. And then for some reason, like around middle school, I started just getting depressed and more like, you know, insecure and insulated and just kind of normal stuff. But I felt it a lot more and that's what I started really exploring and, and kind of, you know, dabbling into you know, picking up substances to self-medicate.
0: Yeah. How was the pandemic for you? How was being on in lockdown? Like, what did what did you do during that time to not go fucking crazy? So,
1: I had a pretty good... Actually, I actually had a great pandemic. <laughs> Sometimes I miss it, to be honest with you. And me too. Um, I was blessed, dude. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there were certain aspects of it that were great. Uh, it was very scary. But... I remember just calling my mom and my my brother and just being like, "Hey, you guys got anything for this? Like, you know, they usually they're the older ones that I and they were like, nah, we don't, we never seen this shit.' <laughs> so, so I mean, that sense of uh, I think recovery helped me because I had a community. I was used to kind of the unknown, um, and really again, that day at a time, you know, just just you know, live one day at a time. Thing, so I wasn't really that nervous or anything. It was just I felt bad because I wasn't actually in lockdown like that like i was actually doing my job like i was flying around like driving around doing interventions and transports and helping people do you think Um, do
0: you think it was worse for for people during the pandemic like oh absolutely addiction wise yeah dude it was bad
1: like the isolation the you know the lack of like purpose um it, it, I think it was a good and a bad thing. Like, I think it helped people get to their bottom a little sooner because people kind of got found out about, you know, the, the classic story. I remember it was like a lot of the guys we were getting would have to move back home and then their family would immediately start seeing how bad their drinking was and they couldn't hide it. So it was kind of, that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like, if you were entering, you know, the kind of recovery, it was a tough time, but it was also like like I said like people were just more aware you couldn't hide it. Yeah. But the other two is that I felt people that a lot of people did have a relapse and were struggling because you know they looked for that 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 meeting that they would go to every day or every you know or whatever and hanging out with friends and that I felt bad about because you know it's tough man being alone, do you know this It's like the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you're recovering, you know. So Zoom, (laughs) you know what I mean. All of a sudden, the world's like, "Go isolate," and you're like, "No, No. that will kill me, bro." (laughs) Like literally, that will kill me. But Zoom actually saved our lives. Like, I was really, really impressed on how fast uh, Zoom just kind of became a thing for meetings, and that was able to go to meetings, you know, pretty much twenty-four-seven. You know, in any country, I was like, like I was going to L.A. meetings like nonstop because of the time difference. Yep. And um, I think what kept me going was just we were so busy. I was busy at work. I was able to kind of, you know, travel and and do what I had to do. But also those Zoom meetings saved my life. Uh, And I met a bunch of cool people that some of them I actually got to meet in person. And I think the only thing that helped me is knowing we were all kind of all in it together, together. Mm hmm um which again is like kind of another recovery thing you know what i mean like we're all in this together so we don't know what's gonna happen but we have each other in in a sense of um but yeah man i mean if i was like brand new i don't know dude if i would have made it like if i was just kind of early recovery that's tough dude
0: yeah i was thinking about i was thinking about everybody out there like and and as a you know recovering addict myself i was like oh my god like am i gonna am i gonna be able to do this like and then I was like, yeah, I do. Cause I had, a, I have a good support system, you know, I got my family uh, out here, but are there specific coping strategies or tools that you use to maintain your sobriety? Like what are some particular things that, that you do?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, so with, you know, the, the job is one thing and it's very fulfilling and very purposeful and, and you know, it's, it's amazing, but I have to take care of myself and Cause it takes a lot out of you, you know, working in the mental health field takes a lot out of you. Yeah. So when I'm not working, I mean, obviously I, I still love that fun. I I'm probably too much fun. You know what I mean? I go to a lot of concerts still and I'm always kind of doing that kind of stuff. And I love, I call it partying, but partying sober, I guess <laughs> like, you know, being with friends and just hanging out laughing and eating good food and whatever. But, um, I really just try to make sure I get good rest. I try to connect with family you know, I try to go to some meetings on my own time, uh, try to read some literature, you know, I'm trying to get I'm in and out with the gym, but that's really helpful, um, you know, and, and I can fall off a lot, dude, like, I have, you know, it's not my only thing, like, I have struggles with food and nicotine still, and, you know, pretty much anything, I always want more, yeah. <laughs> Um but, yeah, I just try to take it easy. Like now I've been off for like about a week and I've just been kind of relaxing. Dude, I've been watching Sopranos. Yes. Uh, just eating, you know, just chilling, dude. Just not doing too much because, you know, you get tired, man. It's, it takes a lot out of you like emotionally and physically and spiritually, you know. So it's like just taking it easy, visiting family, you know, just just hanging out, getting a couple things done, that I, you know, around the house and just trying to really kind of just do nothing, you know.
0: Yeah, I've seen I've seen the uh, incredible amount of Pearl Jam concerts that you've been going to. <laughs> I'm super jealous because I still have yet to see fucking Pearl Jam live.
1: Oh, we got to go, dude.
0: Dude, I'm like, it's the one band that I've never seen live. I don't know why. I just don't know why. I've seen all the bands I love live, and I don't know why I've never seen Pearl Jam.
1: They're great, man. I mean, but, I, you know, me, dude, I'll go see, like, when me and you used to hang out, too, I'll go see any show, any day, any venue, like, I'm, you know, I'm going, I don't know. It doesn't have, it doesn't, I just love live music. And yeah. just Pearl Jam, just, I fell in love with them, you know, obviously when 10 came out, but, like, in high school, I really started, like, going into them hard. It used to be GNR. Yep. Yeah. Um, which still is, but, like, for something about, you know, after that, it was just, like, that just connected with their music and their lyrics. And, but once I saw them live, I was like, dude, they played for like three and a half hours. And like, they're just a great live band. Mm. And it's just, it's the same thing though, dude. It's like the energy of the crowd and the, the people you meet. And it's that whole like connectivity, you know what I mean? Like it's that whole same thing as what I was always looking for in life.
0: Yeah. When I go on Pearl Jam's like streaming service section of whatever, like they have all of their concerts on there like they have tons anything that was recorded it looks like they put on their live albums there's like rows and rows and rows and rows of it it's ridiculous i always i always um kind of saw them as like the the like grunge version of like a jam band because none of their set lists are the same they play for like you said for like three hours they let people record, trade, and and you know put up their shows. Um, I, I I love I love when bands are able to do that. So sometimes I'll just just randomly pick one of these live albums, and and they're all different. They do the songs different every single time. There's always something different, and it's so interesting. I, I always even going back to, you know, when Pearl Jam first, you know, came on the fucking scene. Like I would go into like the CD stores and look for like the, the weird like UK singles and stuff. Cause they yep. always had like live versions of songs on there. And there's still, there's one, <laughs> there's one that I'm still looking for to this day. It had the best version of black that I've ever heard live and I I still ran, I still sometimes go through some of their live albums on here and, and listen to Black on all of them and see if it's that one but I think it was like live in Atlanta but I don't remember the year and it was on it was like the B side to one of their singles and I was like I'm still trying to find it to this day but anyway Yo I might have that dude I might
1: I might we got to talk after cuz i do the same thing with them and you know when i was younger same thing i remember like they're, they're they always had the albums and, and, and like coconuts and strawberries or whatever and yeah and they had the bootlegs with the brown on it and we would go it was just cool you could like you know oh i was at this show and like you yep. want to get it and uh lately with the streaming i've been doing that the last couple years and spe- specifically with black i always try to find different versions and i might i just found a new version it might be that one i think it's it might have been atlanta
0: Fuck if it if it was Atlanta, uh, shoot me a link, bro. I'll listen to it. I'll tell you if it's the one. But that's crazy. It like twenty freaking years later, I'm still looking for that stupid song. But um, what how who, who what's the last concert you went to?
1: Uh, let's see. That's a good question. The last concert I just went to, I think, was the Arctic Monkeys. Right. Yeah, yep. I think it was the Arctic, Arctic Monkeys. Arctic, Arctic. I don't know if I'm even saying that right.
0: Yeah, Arctic Monkeys. They're cool. They're they like were really, dude. They were really fucking good. Yeah, they're really, they're really good. I I don't give them enough play time, but um, they're, I know they're really talented. They're good. Um, I'm trying to think of the last one I've been to. Yeah,
1: what was the last show?
0: Meniskin. No way. I think it was them. Yeah, dude,
1: I've been wanting to see them.
0: They're good. They're really good live. They're so fun. So fun. I could be wrong. I We're going to see Stevie Nicks in December. Those oh, tickets a... were fucking ridiculous. But I was like, eh, I got to see her before, you know, something happens. And
1: Yeah. No, that's. Yes, you do, dude. Because that's one thing I learned. Like, just say yes to every show or whatever or try to. Because, dude, I've seen so many people like that. And then, like they're gone like i saw tom petty and then in and, and then he was gone i
0: like, know oh, that's another I've, one i would have liked you know what to i mean it. like
1: people just you just have to kind of go but tickets are so crazy now like i'm just i'm in the thing where i just wait until like the the couple days before and just try to get you know when they start going
0: down they're ridiculous Ticketmaster. it's absurd is being so stupid right now and nobody's doing anything about it I know. We need
1: Pearl Jam to go back
0: and take them to court. (laughs) They don't need to anymore. That's the problem. They're like, they're, they sell their tickets. I don't even know who they go. Do they go through Ticketmaster?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, they do it a little better where they like try to control it so that they don't go out of control. Like they have like lotteries and, you know, fan fan to fan stuff, but it's still, it's just, it's a disgusting, like when I looked at, who did I just look at?
0: Bro, tickets for Wait. shows back in the day we used to pay 25 bucks.
1: I know, 35, dude. 50 25
0: was a lot. You know like Yeah, 50 was like good seats. You were like, yeah, yeah. or or GA. And it was like, Ugh. now I look at the prices, I'm like, ooh, let me let me look up this band. They're in town. Let me see. Nope. <laughs> not going to do <laughs> it.
1: Honestly, I'm real selective now with like unless it's I'm not trying to pay like a crazy amount unless it's someone I really like a one off. Like I saw Nas at the Garden, Nas, like, my favorite hip-hop artist. Yeah. So I saw him at the Garden. He's a legend. Like, really close because that doesn't happen. Yeah. But other than that, dude, I'm just going to see little... You know, I, I like to see little small venues and keep it old school. And if something comes up and there's a good deal or someone... Ha- but, yeah, yeah, it's just not affordable. It's not that fun, man.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. You know. I'd
1: rather check out, like, an indie band or just some a friends... Or a cover band or just someone you know, just random people. I don't know. I'd rather just go to a little, you know, smaller venues, dude.
0: Yeah. me I mean, me and my stepdaughter do that a lot. We, uh, she finds all these little like lo-fi bands that she, that pop up on her Spotify. And then we, you know, we go and check them out cause those tickets aren't that bad. And plus they're really good. They're mad chill. You know, um, the spots are pretty cool that we go to, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's back to supporting the little guys, I guess.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's affordable. Dude, you must have some great venues. Are you near, like, like where are you located out there?
0: Yeah, we're about 45 minutes from downtown LA, so, oh. you know, we can go pretty much anywhere in SoCal. We go to Orange County a lot, too, for stuff. But, um, yeah, we can pretty much go to whatever venue we want. But, like I said, it's so it's stupid expensive. Like, we, we had to, like, budget for these Stevie Nicks fucking tickets, and it's like that part isn't fun you know when you go it's great but you know it's like when you gotta like put shit to the side to go see a fucking concert it's sad
1: you know yeah it's crazy dude dude i love it out there though i remember i waited my whole life to go out to the strip and all those places and i got to do it in recovery and i actually went to the coolest aa meeting i've ever been to at the rainbow the ra- really yeah dude it's on the low i'll tell you about it after offline but it's pretty cool dude
0: oh you probably uh ran into some people huh
1: yeah, yeah, it's really cool. But I was also just like you know, obviously it's like my dream to go out there and uh I got to catch a show at the Troubadour and it was so cool. That's dope. It was um it, it was um I forget his name, Brad Wilk it was the the bass player from Rage Against the Machine had his own side project, like a punk band. You saw- I forget the name of it. It was so good.
0: I didn't I had no idea. I just, dude, I'm waiting very- for a new record from them, so it's <laughs> yeah, got to happen do. soon. I mean, Zach's all over the Run the Jewels albums. Um, you know, every time he pops up, he's still fucking phenomenal. Like, I don't understand what their problem is, you know?
1: I don't know, dude. But, yeah, that was one show I would have loved to go to. They came around here, but it was just too expensive. Yo, I did see Limp Biscuit though, at the Garden. You, I was thinking about you. Shut
0: the fuck up.
1: Yeah, dude, cheap too, dude. And went on the floor. I actually had to get out of the pit. Me and my boys The first time I was like, "Yo, I think I'm done." You know, we it was too gnarly, bro. They picked me up and threw me over. You know, I, I had to get out. Still, one of the best shows I ever seen, bro. Like, oh like just as good as like years ago.
0: Shit, that's so funny. Wait, this is
1: recently, bro. It was last winter. They were at the Garden.
0: Oh my god. They were
1: they were booking tours. And it kept canceling through a pandemic. And we caught him at the garden for cheap, right on the floor. And uh, they didn't sell out, but it was amazing. Like the fans came out, or no, it was gnarly. Like some dude at the end was just like on the ground. I think he broke his leg or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was all love, obviously, but it was like they went hard. I know me and my boy, he's jacked. And I was like, yo, we got to get out. We both were like, yo, this, we love pits. We're like, dude, not that. It was crazy old school pit.
0: That's dope. I yeah I don't think I could handle that anymore. I wish I could. Yeah. I'd hop yeah. in a pit in a minute, but uh, <laughs> I know that that would take me three four days of just bed rest to get over.
1: Yeah, now I'm at the age where I'm just like, yo, I know when it's time to get out or when it, you know where I'm in this. You know, be on the outskirts and just push. You know, just be on the out the outside.
0: All right, Mario, I gotta wrap it up. <clears throat> um, give me give me a good uh, music suggestion. Give the the listeners a good. A good album to listen to. What's something oh, that you don't think anybody's really heard of that you've been listening to album, lately?
1: No. I mean, that's a great question. There's so much that I listen to. Um, let me see. Hold on, hold on. Let me look at my uh, right now. I've been listening to like all kinds of stuff lately. Like I've been listening to a lot of old school Biggie. Uh, I've been listening to No Doubt, The mm-hmm. first, just Tragic Kingdom, bro. Mm-hmm.
0: That's o- That's I mean, always on in our house somewhere.
1: Yeah, dude, like, I'm pay. I just constantly try to pay respects to, like, the old school, it just feels good. Uh, Yo, it's
0: so great walking, walking by, like, my stepdaughter's 20, she's 20 now, but she, like, it's so great walking by, like, her room and hearing, like, down in a hole, and I'm like, yes, I love you, you're 20 and you're, you're keeping it alive, she's like, Nirvana, she, Portishead, she loves, all- I gave her my fucking cd collection from my 20s recently and she's just been going through them like like she knows a lot of it um like the the she loves the grunge the alternative stuff from like the 90s uh but she's you know hopefully she's finding some gems in there i gotta i gotta ask her if she found anything cool but yeah it was you know i'm like why are you crying so loud in here you know allison chains (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's so cool you're the coolest dude ever, bro. You're doing, I'm so lucky, just getting man. Real stuff, bro.
0: So lucky. But go ahead. Oh, I got I got one for you. Um have you heard of the co Defendants? No. Okay. It's a new album. Uh Fat Mike from No Effects, Cheshi Ramos. Um, he's a rapper. Uh and then there's another guy from I think they're called Get Dead. It's like a kind of like a punk band. But they like come together and they do this crazy. It's like punk and hip hop, and oh, there's all tight. There's like weird, like 1940s jazzy kind of shit going on there. It's it's just it's so good and it's dark. You know they talk about everything from drugs, suicide, um, you know trauma, being in doing stints in prison, but they do it in a really cool artistic interesting way so i've been listening to the album nonstop. stop defendants this is this is crime wave it's called but check them out Tell, give me some come on.
1: come on uh all right my big the last couple of years these guys i love they're called griselda it's west side gun conway the machine and benny the butcher you gotta try it. they're from buffalo
0: bro Did some, they bring that old school fucking boom bat dirty mm-hmm. grimy underground Wu-Tang fucking style back I love them
1: yeah I dude, love them. them I though. literally
0: just found out about them probably two or three months ago someone was listening to them at work and I was like who the who is this and what yeah. era are they from because it yeah. sounds straight out of high school right now and they're like no they're new I was like no way so yes yeah. good recommendation
1: it's so grimy dude and They're just, I don't know, that's where it's at for me, I'd say. And then also been getting into more, I've been loving this one artist for, like, the last, pretty much my whole sobriety that he's actually in recovery, too, but he's just a great songwriter. His name's Jason Isbell, dude. Great, great artist. Check out, like, his live shit from the Ryman. It's just insane, dude. Great voice, killer guitar player.
0: All right, I'll check it out. I just pulled it up.
1: Yeah, you've probably heard his song. Like, he wrote, like, Probably half the music for that that movie with Brad, uh, Bradley Cooper and uh, Lady Gaga. Like he's like the real deal. Like,
0: oh for real, um, Star is Born.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. He's just a good dude. But but, just he could sing and play guitar. Like and the songwriting, is just like just killed. You just start crying.
0: <laughs> the songs from that movie are like low key fire,
1: bro. Super good, bro. I I watched that movie so much. We went actually as like a group of us from one of our meetings and they were like bringing tissues and shit over. They were like, everybody was, cause it was just such a relatable, just like, like I just felt that dude's pain, bro. It was just sad, but it was so good.
0: Dude, man, my, my wife and my stepdaughter wanted me to watch that. And they, they were like, okay, we're going to watch the stars. I was like, Oh, it's going to be so fucking lame. Fucking lady Gaga, whatever. I don't even know who Bradley fucking Cooper is. Right. And then, um, my stepdaughter turned to me and she goes, Hey, there are some scenes in this movie that might be triggering. And I was like, like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, you know, like drugs and stuff. I was like, Oh, we good. We good. Don't worry about it. But I thought that was so sweet of her to like, think about that before watching the movie. It like, it's making me tear up right now that it was so thoughtful. And I was like, you know, thank you so much for, doing that it and watching it I was like damn this is a little tough <laughs> Yeah, I was like shit this is a little tough she was right but she you know and she checked in too halfway through she's like you good I was like I'm good I'm good let's keep going you know um but it, it was such a a super mature thing for her to do um that's that's the one thing that stuck with me about that movie was the consideration she put into me watching it but great well, flick I think
1: a difference now dude between like you know us growing up and now changing like the patterns and households of like you guys are talking you know what I mean you're talking about real shit like that like that's fucking beautiful man
0: yeah I'm really lucky super lucky. yeah dude
1: well last recommendation Now you ever see silver linings playbook by Bradley Cooper no dude watch that if you don't relate I don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I'm it's not wired
1: di- right <laughs> it's great bro I mean for me and you like dudes like, got like bro one of my favorite all-time movies it's silver linings Playbook. really it's, I've
0: heard about it like a lot I know it's a good movie good. but I've never seen it
1: dude another one it's one of my favorites that I bought one time like years ago because I was just like damn that dude is me like I, he just acted it out so well just like how I feel inside and like and he knows because he's you know he goes he's one of them. like he's in recovery
0: it's dope, dude, I'll check it out, yeah, dude. well, I'll put it on my to watch list. All right, Mario, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me um filling in those those blanks for me um about our history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you did fill in the blanks, but um mm-hmm. yes, I thank you um I really I commend you for what you're doing, and I'm really, really, really happy for you and that that you're doing good.
1: Dude, thank you, man. I'm this. I could talk to you all night, bro. I'm like amped now. I'm just like pacing, walking about, just like yo. I want to go over there. I want to come see you, dude. Like, this has been very special, and I'm very grateful to you. And and just, I'm just so happy that we connected, dude. Thank you so much, and I love you so much, bro. Thank you. I love you too, bud. Thanks for having me.
0: There you have it, folks. Mario Dierno. If you or anybody you know is struggling. He straight up gave me his number, his personal phone number for you to call him if you need help or if you just want to say what's up. 203-917-1988. Thanks again, Mario. Have you back in a couple weeks. Check up on you. See how you're doing. And once again, thanks everyone for listening. See you next time.